the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it, a friend or family member lost on it, or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedykind. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm glad you're tuning in to listen. My name is Heather Mosier. I'm the host of the show, and in studio with me is my husband, Donnie. He's the other host, I guess a co-host officially now. Yeah. Congrats. Featured co-host. Featured whatever. Best best husband ever. What? <laughs> I'll give you the money after the show. <laughs> so welcome to this episode. Uh, I'm glad you're listening to us, whether you're listening on KPRC AM 950 or the iHeartRadio app. If you download that free app, all of our relevant recovery radio episodes are uploaded on there, and you can listen in your car. We're glad you're listening today. Donnie, what is our topic for today? Dun, dun, dun. Well, I was thinking about contentment or seeking content. Seeking contentment? That's that's a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, when we get into recovery, when we get into um, when we're trying to get sober, you know, I thought that I was not able to stop drinking because the 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 way I was raised or my job or whatever situation. Mm-hmm. And and what we find when we get into the fellowship is just that um that we're really seeking content. We're really seeking to be content. Yeah. I like this topic a lot because any of our listeners, whether they struggle with any substance use disorder or not, like this is a great topic for anybody because I would be willing to bet uh, our income <laughs> that every single listener right now has struggled or does currently struggle with trying to find happiness in life, trying it, trying to fight against discontentment. It seems the it seems the American way, right? So when you look at studies of the world, um, some of the poorest populations on the planet are the most content and happy, mm-hmm. which is seems you know the opposite game, right? It's, yeah. You would think that America being the richest country in the world would be the happiest, and it's actually where you find the most discontent. So if I was to ask you what, in, in a short one-sentence answer, what do you think is the definition of discontentment, period? Mm, uh, I mean, I think it's seeking um, to be okay, to feel fulfilled. Okay, yeah. And so, like, when we talk about discontentment, our literature uses the phrase called discontented rather than discontentment. And let me let me read that. I'll read the sentence out of the book. Okay. It, what it says is, they are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. And so... What it's saying here is that I am discontented and the fix that I think is going to help me is that drink, that drug, that whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But when you've been doing this as long as we have, you start to realize, because when I first get sober, the drink or the drug is, I feel like I think it's the problem. Yeah, Yeah. so I got got to stop (laughs) doing it and I can't figure out why I can't. But after a while, we realized that, man, uh, that wasn't actually the problem. That was the solution to being alive. But the other thing, too, is that once I'm sober for a bit, I'm not really 
um, like the drink or the drug isn't the fix anymore. Yeah. And so I start seeking other things to look for content, shopping, yeah. right, uh, relationships, uh, porn, yeah. uh, food, anything that will give me that momentary Band-aid. Yeah, that satisfaction, that that feeling of content, no matter how, no matter how short-lived it is. So every time I read that section with a with someone um, that I'm taking through the steps or teaching big book, um, when I, I I focus first on the restless, irritable, discontented, because that was written in 1939. Uh, so a different word for restless might be anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a huge trendy tag word uh, disorder nowadays. Seems like everybody suffers from anxiety. So restless, anxiety, you can't sit still, you can't read a book, you can't concentrate. Uh, the second thing is irritability. Right. Uh, People can be irritated or irritable. Uh, you can just drive on the highway in Houston, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you can see the lack of consideration or patience in society today. Self. Self. Everybody is into self. And so that's what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about this issue of being discontented. What does that look like? What are some of the ways that I seek contentment? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about, maybe give some examples, but then also talk about the ways that you and I have found contentment. Solution. The last content. place I ever thought I would look. And we'll, we'll you know, we're going to keep that quiet till we get there. We'll keep it a surprise. <laughs> the secret. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I, I think it's an important topic because then when I get to the third thing that's discontented, the literature doesn't say just discontent with a T at the end. It says ED on the end. Discontented. Right. Well, what does that mean to you? Like, because you don't like the way I explain it. I don't. So I'm I, I just you think you're kind of confusing. But I will, I do take some of your. Uh, points. You steal my story and you say it better. I just say it better. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the host. That's, that's, I'm just better at this, Donnie. You know. <laughs> but when you look at discontented, here's what it is. Think about this in your life, listeners. As I describe this, let's imagine you are discontent because you're dying of thirst. You're super dehydrated. You're walking in the desert. You are thirsty. And I give you a giant gallon of water to drink, a giant jug of water, and you down it. You drink that water, it quenches your thirst, therefore you become content. Mm -hmm. But if you're discontented... There's not enough water on the planet. There is no amount of water you can drink to quench the thirst. You're going to go through life like that. And so... And most people, I think, do go through life like that. Yeah. I mean, really, because, you know, you come out of school and and you're female, you got to be married. You're a man, you got to get into business and make... Provide. Right, and I want to be successful, and I've got to have this car and this house. Or but then from you, a woman's perspective, you want children, or you want you know to, to build a career, or have kids, or both, and right. how does that work? Like To be a housewife, and to have children, and to submit to their husband. Wow. That's a desire. Oh, is that not? <laughs> That's not bad. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, some people. Some people choose that. But what I wanted to say about discontent in a nutshell is that if you're discontented, or if you struggle with discontentment, it's a chronic habitual unhappiness. Right. So right. they say that that's depression these days. Right. Sometimes it is clinical depression with a chemical imbalance in your brain. But that is not what we're talking about today. Right. We're talking about that spiritual deficiency. Yes. That every human seems to have. Every human at has some it. Point. And so we go through life like that, searching and seeking happiness and never quite getting there. Right. And that was the thing for us is that prior to being sober, we were not OK in our own skin. So we sought out drugs and alcohol to become OK in our skin. Yep. Yep, I agree. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. Co-host, Donnie. Hi. 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 Okay. Oh, hey. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're on KPRC AM 950 and the iHeart app. All of our past episodes are there. We are sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a detox and two-year aftercare recovery program. The detox portion is inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown. It's a very unique 10 to 14-day detox and recovery program with two years of aftercare, including an e-recovery app, recovery coaches, alumni events, all kinds of cool stuff, and IASIS, the microcurrent neurofeedback that we use to balance your brain chemistry and energy so that you heal quicker, faster. What does that do for people? So if they're coming in there, if I'm recovering, let's say from heroin or opiates and I come into your detox, does it help me recover quicker? It does because we are an abstinence-based, 12-step-based detox and recovery program. And so we do medically detox you. You do get medications to Mm -hmm give you some comfort while, while you're detoxing, of course. But we want to get you off medications as quickly as possible. And what we find is IASIS, this version of microcurrent neurofeedback, it br- bathes your brain in energy and it tricks your brain into producing endorphins like serotonin and dopamine that you're not producing <laughs> when you're trying to detox. Because it's a because of the opiates. Yeah, because uh. you, you know, it, it blocks your receptors while you're drinking or doing drugs and your brain is not producing those things that it would normally produce in a normal fashion. And so trying to get sober, you feel horrible. <laughs> You're dealing with restless legs and all sorts of stuff. And, and so the IASIS, we've seen it. I've seen it for over a year now that how effective it is at helping people feel better sooner. I'm glad that I was just a garden variety, high class drunk <laughs> and I didn't get into all them drugs because, you know, drugs are illegal. I, I see it work amazing with alcoholics, too. Uh, So I don't think it really matters if you're like me or like you, (laughs) right? I I see miracles happen with it all the time. It's pretty cool. So we're talking about discontentment. Yeah. Chronic habitual unhappiness. And what is the solution? And and so let's, we're talking to a broad audience. We're talking to people who may be interested in recovery. Maybe we're talking to what you and I label normies who are just normal people. Right? Yeah. That's those people, I call them aliens. Mm. When you're in a restaurant or you're at a party, those are the people that will drink half a glass of alcohol and just leave it. What? Like who does that? Yeah, I can't. You know, who shares their heroin? No, you know? no, yeah. I'm not sharing it. Of course, normal people, I don't think even dabble in heroin. Right. But. <laughs> Right. I mean, I think that some people can recreationally do cocaine a couple times a year. They could potentially still be a completely normal person. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about this internal unhappiness, whether you're a drug addict or an alcoholic or a normal person. So I'm out here and I just feel I'm and, and we alluded to it when we we're going out. And that is that I don't feel OK in my own skin. Like I just have this discontented feeling, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's just there. It's a part of me. It's the, well, As we're in the 12-step world, there's some commonalities of things that people say that trying to describe what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. We don't have the words for it until we get into the literature and it helps define it. But it's like part of me feels like I never fit in. Mm-hmm. Or that people don't like me, or I was never part of the cool crowd, or my friends or my family don't really love me like I love them, or need me, or appreciate right. me. You and know? then you get sober and you find out all of that was true. <laughs> my family did hate me. <laughs> Turns out. <no. laughs> Tell them what my dad said to you when you met him and married me. Um, I'm sure glad you took her off my shoulders. That's what it was. He said yeah. it was a great burden off my shoulders. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's what my dad said to you. <laughs> it was pretty fantastic. But I think um. that we're looking at, okay, so this segment, we're going to talk about the human band-aids of things that you you and I, listeners, try to do to not feel this discontentment, right? And so it comes out in a lot of ways. 
pursuit of career. Yes, right? right? A lot of people, it's a pursuit of career. You give 90 to 100 hours a week to your career. So therefore, utilizing all of your time and that somehow you feel fulfilled, even though it doesn't fulfill you. But let's go back to the discontentment. The discontentment will come out feeling like insecurity, financial insecurity, Mm -hmm. right? So because someone might feel financial insecurity or the burden of being the provider for a household, they're going to redirect that into being a workaholic is what you're saying and they're going right. to pour 90 percent of themselves into that neglecting their family chasing accolades stacking money in the bank doing things doing things doing things to try to ease that insecure that financial insecurity i mean for good examples we can just talk about me when i got sober okay <clears throat> because when i got sober i mean i was already overweight i was i've been overweight since i was 12 but when you took alcohol away from me I started seeking new ways, new solution to feel okay. And your solution was what? Food. Food. All of it. Yeah. And I put on, I don't know, 50 pounds getting sober. Uh, I've since dropped 140 of it. Right. <clears throat> but, you know, it's... And I've I, seen pictures of you from back then. You and I didn't know each other then. Right. Um, but even when I saw the picture, you show our friends, it's unrecognizable. But this is something you did in sobriety. I got sober. You take away alcohol. And I needed something to feel okay. And there is that momentary sense of ease and comfort eating a pizza. Yeah. There is that momentary sense of ease and comfort eating sweets, right? And and so then I go, man, I got to stop this. I got to quit with the food. And so I move on to either being a miser or a shopaholic with my money. Because on our past episode with the money, we talked about the fact that you shopped yourself into like $77,000 in consumer, in sobriety. In sobriety, because when I got sober, I didn't really have debt. So look at your pattern. You take away alcohol, and what do you got left? You got food and money. And, and you abuse those avenues trying to find contentment. And I get those under control. And, and for a lot of men, and I think women out there, you have... Uh, porn addictions, yeah. right? Because that brings you that momentary sense of ease and comfort. You have... Um, Mine was relationships. Like, even all the years before I did drugs, and mm-hmm. then after when I got sober and was trying to get sober a couple different times. Uh, mine was relationships, and I think that that's common for a lot of women. Um, I was under this delusion that if I just had the right husband and he gave me the right attention or the right number of kids, then I could be happy. Right. And so I got married. I had kids. And okay, well, he's not working out because life isn't good. So let me get rid of him. And I got a new husband. Right. I'm (laughs) looking for all this external input to make me feel better internally. Yeah. So if I propose the question to you and our audience, what do you think? And this is rhetorical, obviously. But what do you think a good life is? What do you think a happy life is? And I want that question to sit for a moment and think about it. What do you think it means to have a good life or a happy life? If your answer that came to your mind was anything external, you're on the wrong track. Well, based on our experience. Yep. That's all we have to go on. This is our radio right. show. Because well, <laughs> because there's that there's we all know about greed. Yeah. Okay? We all know about like there's this the sin the of greed. The seven deadly sins, lust, gluttony, greed, all right. that, yeah. So there's the sin of greed, but then there's the one that's bigger than greed. Uh, I don't know if you remember that time we were in church, we were at that one downtown and he called it avarice. Mhm. And avarice is bigger than greed. Greed is that I want a car and a house and and all the money and all of that. But avarice is next level. Mm -hmm. Avarice is saying that I get the car. 
but now I want the one better. Yeah. And I get the dream house, but now I want the one bigger. Yeah. I get the dream girl, but now I want the one better. And that was me. I'd get the husband, and then I wanted one that's better. Until you got the best one. Until I got, and now yeah. you're good. Now you're good. <laughs> okay. We'll go with that. Uh, no, but I'm content now, but a totally different reason. Not because I finally married the right husband, although you're great, and I am happily married to you. Better be. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, if you look at it, how many people just go through life, and I call it spinning my wheels because I was doing this for a long time, not even realizing that I'm doing it, mm-hmm. is that I live in, okay, there's this another line in our book, and it's um, it's on page 61, and those of you with a book, you can look at it, it's in the middle, and it says, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? And so what that means is that... Am I not a victim of the lie that I believe that I can force some satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I manage well? And what that means is that... If I just get what I want, then life will be good. Right. I have this idea that if I just buy that gun that I really want, when I get the gun, I'm going to be happy. If I get the truck that I want, I'm going to be happy. And here's the thing. Here's what really messes us up. Let's go with the truck. I get the new truck. It's jacked up. It's everything I've ever wanted. I've finally got the money because I've overworked myself, <laughs> right? Or I put it all on credit cards. I get the truck I want. And for a, let's walk through it. For a few weeks, I'm showing everybody my truck. I'm so excited about my truck. I'm parking it up front. <laughs> I'm parking it sideways into two spots. I'm doing these things, but that is fleeting. It's fleeting. doesn't last. Uh, well, let's take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio on KPRC AM 950 and the iHeartMedia app. The Donnie and Heather Show. Relevant Recovery Radio. Oh. It's kind of when we were hosts, but... As long as Donnie goes before Heather. I think that's the rule. I think the guy should go first. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to marry you. Because I can push you off the cliff if you're first. Oh. Yeah. That didn't work out so well So we're talking about discontentment today. All right. So I was in the middle of a story, right? Because I didn't realize we were about to end the segment. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about your truck and you're showing off your truck. got this new truck truck and and you're parking it between spots and you're showing everybody. But here's what happens is that Three months later, what happens? Well, first of all, you're only happy when you're driving it. When it's on the parking lot and you're not in it, right? Oh, yeah. It's not there. But, I mean, typically what happens is within a few weeks, month. Someone's got a cooler truck. It's just a truck. Yeah. Right? That's what happened with me with husbands. But then you're, <laughs> then you're on. <laughs> Someone's got a cooler husband than me. But what, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody does today. Well, not today. In the past. Yeah. But what happens is that then you go, okay, the truck, like, this all happens in your subconscious. Yes. It, you're unaware of it. Truck done. What's next? And now I need the next in, external thing to change the way I feel. And I'm just chasing this to the next, to, to the, the next, next, to, to the, the next. next. It never gives me lasting and, and fulfillment. And it might be a medical, you know, business degrees. You have people, I know people that go to college forever, right? And never enter the workforce. They just stack up degrees or initials after their last name. And it's like, cool, but what are you doing with it? Are you happy? Are you content? 
Is right. it purposeful to you? I did this with. So I love that sentence that you read. Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? That is a an idea that we visit briefly when someone is newly sober, and it's pretty much Greek and foreign to them then. Oh, yeah, for a couple of years, usually. But it is an idea that we have to carry into uh, every day for the rest of our lives. And so the 1939 definition of a delusion is a psychotic belief. It is literally a lie that you believe, Mm -hmm. which is very different than denial. First of all, if if you go in the store and you steal a piece of bubble gum and you know you stole the piece of bubble gum, and I ask you, did you steal the bubble gum? You would be in denial to say, no, I didn't. Right. But if you don't even remember that you did, <laughs> and you say, no, I didn't, th- that's a delusion. It's a lie that you, you believe. Be- yeah, you believe that you didn't. You it's believe a that you didn't. Right. Right. And so what that sentence is saying is that I delusionally believe, I believe the lie that I will finally be happy if I get my ducks in a row. If I get the good husband or if I get the certain number of kids or if I get to work from home or if I get that certain career or that promotion or or that weight. I see people that that do physical exercise uh, in an addictive way, in an alcoholic way, trying to have the perfect body or plastic surgery or this or that. You can go down a rabbit hole of trying to find what you think a good life is. And here's the kicker. The reason that it's a delusion or it's a lie that we believe is because happiness never lies in external things. How long did it take you to figure that out? A couple of years into sobriety. Yeah. Happiness is is always an inside job. And and we usually find that out through some sort of a hardship. Yeah. Where where everything is taken away, but you find yourself content. Content. And, and you go, wait a minute. It's it's that weird conundrum where you can match calamity with serenity. Because life still happens. Even mm-hmm. if you're living a purpose-filled or a spiritual way of life or in, in recovery, life still happens. And, and stuff tragically happens. Death happens. Relationships can end. You know, people can get laid off. Look at COVID happening, right? Right. And when, when COVID happened in March of 2020, what I saw is it really negatively, the lockdowns particularly, not necessarily the virus, but the lockdowns and the seclusion and the isolation and the restriction negatively affected the 12-step world by and large. A lot of people relapsed. A lot of people relapsed. A lot of people had stroke because they couldn't make their meetings. They couldn't be around people. They couldn't do these Ooh. things externally that they thought kept them okay. And you and I had many conversations back then that we, we felt, felt guilty. <laughs> yeah. We felt guilty to even say that we were doing good. We thrived in 2020. I, lo- I love being locked down with you that first year. I, I mean, mean I got tired of great. you eventually, but... No, that would never happen. But, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, we didn't have to commute, so I was able to, like, ride my bicycle in the morning. We had tea able... time. Do you remember? We would both take breaks from working yep. virtually, and we'd go make hot tea, and we would we yep. would talk, and we would catch up about how our day is I'm going. A, I'm a man. I would never have tea. You had time. tea with me. I don't think We would that's cook accurate. together. Yeah, we I had t- good food. I self-taught yoga during that time. Yeah, you were getting really good at I it. Did, I did some yogis, uh, and I really enjoyed it, doing it from my living room with YouTube as my teacher. Like We thrived it. So we matched calamity with serenity was our point. So you have two contrasting ideas. You have the idea that um, content is an inside job, and what we've been talking about is that content... I've been chasing it my whole life we as an external. We all chase happiness. We always chase contentment. And and in my experience, in your experience, and a lot of our experience in the 12-step world, it's a misplaced idea that the happiness or the contentment is, is in externals, the right relationship, the right car, the right job. And, and it's a lie because happiness is an inside job always. And, man, it... 
it took me a while to to get there to figure out that that was the trick that it was spiritual connectivity that I was actually filling up with the worldly band-aids the secular band-aids of shopping or relationships or husbands or a new car I was filling all that up when it was really missing God I was all the whole time I didn't know that I was just missing oh, a Lord. connection you've mentioned the G word I did you know and, and here's the thing that um not everybody that listens to this show is a Christian. Not everybody that listens to this show may believe in God. But there is the fundamental idea in every man, woman, and child's heart. It says in our literature that there is a fundamental idea of God, the creator. Yeah. And although you and I have a particular uh, religion that we subscribe to. Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus. Uh, we're not talking about that specifically here. It can be in any um, creator, any uh, creative intelligence, supreme being, positive energy in the world, you know, evil versus good. Yeah, we'll right? let you have whatever. We'll let you have whatever. But, <laughs> but. When we look at discontentment, society, especially America, has has been sold a bill of goods that's a lie that if you just had your ducks in a row, you manage your life well, you go achieve. Get the, the newest iPhone, the newest iPad, oh, the newest it MacBook. It is so crazy to go walk through the mall and see the lines in front of you know that, that store with the phones. And if you think about it, and I, I heard it on Joe Rogan one time, and he said it, and I just completely agree with it, we are all just chasing the newest tech gadget and idea. And I think we're, we're doing that, and we're the most unhappy yeah. society by and large that I think we've ever been. And we're the richest in the world. And so this is why you'll see some of the most high, highest paying careers, like dentists, yeah. have the highest suicide rate. Yeah. Right? So you see some of the richest... Dentists? Dentists. I didn't know that. Dentists. If you... You yep. think it's halitosis? No. Uh, <laughs> that would make me kill what myself. What I'm saying is money doesn't equal happiness. Right? Wait. And, Hold on, I gotta write that down. Money doesn't equal happiness, and and neither do these external things that I think will make me happy. It's an inside job. That's why you see some of the richest, most miserable, rude, yeah. self-centered people in the world, and then you go see a kid in a third-world country playing with some dirty ball and, and you know stick and happy, lit up with joy. They don't really care. And here, so here's the the paradox. The paradox of the hour is that I chase everything I think I want, need, and should have, i.e. self, yep. self-obsession, self, self, self. Let me take the next selfie on my iPhone with... With the right filter. Post it to social media, right check my likes. likes. Yes. My comments. Okay, now the paradox is everyone else but self. And yep. that's, I think, what we're talking about is that when I start looking to the creator whoever that is for you and I it's it's Jesus it's God for mm -hmm. others it may be uh, Buddha or or Muhammad Vishnu or, yeah. or whatever right and yep. that's fine but when I start to look for fulfillment self. look for fulfillment in the creator and I start to do for others mm -hmm. that's the key that is actually what got me closer to my creator is when I started to do for others not mm -hmm. worrying about me worrying about others mm -hmm. I mean look at it when I released that poor woman from the hostage that she was, we'll call that my last marriage. When <laughs> your, I, your poor old ex-wife. Yes, her poor thing. When I released her, you and I got a house together, and at that point in time, I had nothing. We had nothing. And yeah. I remember sitting on the couch one day, and I left a beautiful home and beautiful furniture and all of it. I had all of the things. I was, I was happy. I was out of the storage unit. 
Right. right. We had, I was living in a storage you unit in a year house. and a half before I met you. Right, I was in a real house. When I remember sitting in that house, and remember we had a faux leather couch with a leather pulling off. We had, we had nothing. But I remember sitting there thinking I was the most content I had ever been because I had been turning my heart to others and I had been seeking my creator. Yeah. And all of the things didn't matter anymore. Right. And sometimes I miss those days. Yeah, yeah. Now we got the house. We got all the things, right? We got the things again, right? And so we lose sight. <laughs> it's okay to have things as long as things don't own you. Oh, okay. Right? And I got I to gotta find that balance uh, between, you know, is this a want or a need? Is it okay to get, get something that you want sometimes? Sure. What am I idolizing? I think... By and large, the way that I look at it now, and this may sound like a paradox, is that I'm never going to fix me and find happiness for me for as long as I'm focused on me. But if I focus on others, others. it gets me closer to the creator. I get internal contentment, and I am able to then be content. The book always says when you stop focusing on the problem and you start focusing on the solution, the problem goes away all on its own. The problem wasn't drugs or alcohol. The problem was my obsession with myself and my wants and my desires. And when I stopped focusing on what I wanted and I started focusing on others, I got happy. That's the paradox of it. And I'm happy when you focus on me as well. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio on KPRC AM 950 or the iHeartRadio app. Hi. Hi. I'm Heather Mosier. You're Donnie. Yeah. We're talking about discontentment. So we sort of gave away like the solution and now we got to really talk about that. How do we find Let's it? Let's talk about what the solution is and how to get there to the solution, and, but how to practically apply it because it sounds right. good in theory. I bet you well, all it sounds of our- ridiculous, right? <laughs> but when we got sober... Right. We come into the fellowship, we come into the program and they're like, hey, you're worried about job, spouse, kids, career, money, Mm -hmm. all of that. And what we're telling you is to worry about the 12 steps. Come in and do this and the rest will be taken care of. And you're like, (laughs) I don't believe that. Our literature says that the spiritual must always precede the material. And it says it in multitude of ways over and over again. People will cry and clamor for this or that, saying they need the job or the money or the car before they focus on the steps. Nope, you're on the wrong track. And I didn't believe it. You didn't believe it. None of us believe it. Until I did it. We start to do it and start to see that, wait a minute, um, I am focusing on doing this thing that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, all those other things, i.e. all those external personal relationships, this and that, they all start working themselves but, out. But that's what happened to me. I remember the last time I was in treatment, which was the fifth and final time in August of 2016 when I got sober, um, all I understood is that if I, I wanted to be sober for years, but all I understood is that if I was going to stay sober, mm-hmm. that meant I needed to be connected to God, whatever God mm-hmm. was to me. Right. And so I just remember going around asking everybody, how do you get connected to God? Right. How do you get connected to God? Man, everybody's talking about these flipping steps. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what else? And so for us, it was the the secret was right in front of us the whole time. The whole it was time. simple. If it was a snake, it had bit me, as my it mama was, would say. Work the steps. And the very last step is to carry this message you've just learned to other alcoholics and to help them. Yeah. Right. Okay. So my problem is selfishness and self-centeredness. I'm really obsessed with me, and I want to stop drinking or doing drugs. I'm going to ask Will to record that and loop it up. I just want to in replay theory. it for you over and over again. <laughs> in theory. But what I'm saying is it was so crazy that 
I had to work 11 steps and have an experience with it. But then the 12th step was me sponsoring others and giving away that first 11 experience to somebody else. And so that's what helped us inside the 12-step program is that we keep carrying the message. And so what does that mean? How does that help me practically get closer to God, my Creator? How does it get me closer to Him? And how does it get me in reliance and content all at the same time? All of that, right? Here's what's weird. I don't know if you could even explain it in an hour-long radio show, right? But my experience with the first 11 steps held up a mirror to me and my selfishness and my self-centeredness, my fallibleness, and I saw how much I needed God or needed power in every area of my life. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm smart. I'm very stubborn and strong-willed, and I can achieve things. Another loop. But I couldn't figure out how to be happy. Right. All I wanted in life, and I spun my wheels for 34 years trying to figure out how to be happy, with or without drugs or alcohol. Right. Didn't care. If I could have potentially been happy on opiates the rest of my life, I would have went and done it, but I wasn't. And so I come in, and I'm full of self, and full I want self. and I need, and I want and I need, and I want and I need, and then they're like, no, no, forget about you. Mm-hmm. Go help people. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I remember thinking, wait a minute, I have to do that? I have to go help other people? And now... Here's the deal. I, I was a what you call a chronic relapser for years. Yeah. And the time that I've stayed sober these last five and a half years was the only time I've ever worked all 12 steps and sponsored other people. And and so when you look at the practical application of helping others, here's what's happening is that I am taking time away from self. I'm taking time away from things I want to do to specifically focus help on someone else. Someone else I don't want to at times that are inconvenient places I don't want to be, yeah. right? I'm getting out of me completely. Mm-hmm. And I believe that every time I do that, it allows God to come in just a little just bit more. Just a little more. bit more. And because I'm doing the opposite action of what I've done my whole life, my whole life is I've just provided for me. Yeah. Now I'm starting to do for others. And it's this this counterintuitive thing. If I focus on God's kid, God takes care of me. And that's the paradox of the 12-step world, the I mean, spiritual way of life. But period. I think it can be – what about people that are not in a 12-step program? Yeah, this applies to anyway. You can do. You don't have to be in 12 steps. You don't have to be a drug or alcoholic for this to be available to you. They can do it you. through church. They yes. can do it through any kind of a volunteer program. You, I mean, there's so many ways to help others, but as a society, I think that in a major part, we've lost our way with that. Oh, yeah. Society has lied to us, by and large, for a few decades that you do you. You just follow your heart. You do whatever feels right. You just you just find self happiness. Time, self, self-care. Self-care. Just, yeah. you know, I never felt happy or the presence of God from a bubble bath, you know, but I did when I sponsored someone else. Right, right. Right. And that's so. Or even through church when we're helping people that are less fortunate or just in our lives. Uh, okay. Feed the poor, volunteer your How time. How about this one? You pull up to the corner. And there's a guy there on the corner. How many times I look at him and go, you're just going to use it to get drunk. You're just going to use it to get high. I'm not yeah. giving you my money. Now I get that little tingle in my chest and I just give money. I don't care what they do with it. Yeah. It's, it's not, not my business. business. No, nope. I'm just going to give them some Sometimes money. Sometimes it's an opportunity for me to just be the good Samaritan. It's it's an opportunity for me to just show kindness. And I think it shows God that I love you, God, more than I love this money. I'm just going to give it away. So our literature says that this whole thing, the spiritual way of life, is simple but not easy. It says a price that has to be paid, and it meant the destruction of self-centeredness. Yep. And, and that hit me like a ton of bricks when I finally received what 
our literature was talking about, that it wasn't that I was just going to do the right actions, A, B, and C, and, right. and then this problem is removed from me. It was like I had to find the end of Heather, the end of my ideas, the end of my old prejudices, the end of what I thought. Yep. I I was obsessed with me for a long time. and I, When is that going to stop? When you, <laughs> oh. Is that? But there was just a lot of like personal examples in my life, but particularly around around relationships, because one of my sources of discontentment was that I didn't feel like I had value or was lovable or, or whatever or was desired unless I had a partner to validate that for me all the time. Yeah. I'm a big seeking You're of attention. Yes, I was a love addict. And um and so I have all these failed marriages and all this and then I have to go in the twelve step world and work these steps to find out this this painful truth about myself. Well isn't it funny that you went in there because you couldn't keep a needle out of your arm and you get there and you figure out like the one of your core issues with this, you know, being a love addict your whole life. Yeah. I, I would always uh, seek validation from others. I had no internal self esteem esteem or self-confidence and, and I was told that if I wanted real self-esteem I needed to do esteemable things because and here's why because men came and went from your life yeah. right um, when I get a new partner a new relationship I'm getting all of that validation from them that esteem and all of that but yet again like the new truck it goes away yeah but God never goes away and that's that whole cycle what of is it that Jeff says all the time what I think Tyler told it to him that God is the one that will never leave you. Never. Never leave he you. He never leaves you. It's the one that I turned my back on God, and I was just so focused on me for so long. I had no room in my heart for a spiritual way of life, nor did I see the benefit of it. Right. I didn't know that that was the secret to being happy in life. Uh, and we go through these steps so I can, you know, not do drugs or drink. Right. Um, but I find out all this other stuff about myself. And it, I call it spiritual whack-a-mole because I know that we talk about maybe I talk about drugs. You talk about alcohol. But really, it's spiritual whack-a-mole that this spiritual journey is something that people like me and you or the whole world will be on for the rest of our lives. I go through these steps and me and God whack down, you know, you go to Dave and Buster's, the whack-a-mole game. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Well, we'll whack down drugs and alcohol, but then sex issues or relationship issues pop up. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, me and God lean to learn how to whack that down, but then money issues pop mm -hmm. up. Me and God whack that down, and then, you know, whatever the other, th my, my body image or my insecurities pop up. And when you begin, it's like, let me just get rid of all this, but then I think at some point what we realize, this is the journey. Yeah. It is the journey. It I'll is the never journey. knock them all down. It's not about the destination. It is about the journey. It's about leaning more and more into God, the creator. It's mm -hmm. about leaning more and more into that power for the rest of my life. And I hope that our listeners, by and large, I, I thank our listeners for joining us today and, and entertaining this weird topic on discontentment. But it's something every human struggles with. Mm -hmm. And whether they believe it or don't believe it, the solution is spiritual connectivity. Um, and so I hope that we've helped them have a better understanding of some tools to do with that. Uh, if you would like more information about the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> if you, well, it's www.matthewshope.org. Yeah, or they can call 844-263-4673. Yes. And this has been Relevant Recovery Radio on KPRC 950. And we are sponsored by Matthews Hope Foundation. Uh, this is a detox and two-year aftercare program. Uh, they'll bring you in, medically detox you, give you two years of support after that. That is crazy because it's, I know a lot of detox cool. just, they just turn you loose. Yep. Um, and we just really appreciate everybody listening and hashtag God, though. Remember, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. See you next week. <laughs>